Hello, and welcome to the Portola Pioneer, the official podcast of the Portola Pilot. My name is Jane Kim, joined by my co-host, Ryan. Hey, my name is Ryan Dunman. And today we'll be discussing mental health, an underlying epidemic. What brings you hope? Today we'll be hearing from a few guests, including a Hope Squad member, our mental health wellness coordinator, and a Portola High School alumni sharing her mental health journey and experience. Quick disclaimer before we begin, this podcast episode talks a lot about topics regarding mental health. If this is something that might trigger you, please feel free to skip and take a rain check on this episode and join us again for our October podcast instead. Also note that we are in no way mental health professionals. This podcast is not meant to diagnose anyone, rather it is just a form of informative awareness. Thanks Ryan for that disclaimer. With that being said, um, how are you doing? I know this is a very strange time for everyone. Um, how have you been dealing with your own mental health and how are you just feeling overall? For me personally, it's definitely been a very difficult time. I've had a lot of complications with my mental health in particular. And as somebody who has struggled with depression in the past, quarantine's really reinvoked those feelings. And I'm sure that there are a lot of other kids out there. Um, but overall, I've just been feeling a wide range of emotions from powerlessness, sadness. It's, it's a very une unexpected, unpredictable time. And I feel like many students are definitely dealing with the same things that I am. I'm like 100% agreeing with you on the whole hopelessness thing because it's just a really strange time and everyone's so new to this. And I feel that it's often really helpful to listen to others just to know that we're not alone in this. Um, and with that being said, we have Aaliyah Davis, Portola High School Class of 2020, here with us today to talk about her experience with depression. So hi, I'm Aaliyah. I graduated from Portola last year. Um, I'm now a freshman at Vanderbilt University, and I'm majoring in computer science. Hey, Aaliyah. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me and Jane on the Portola Pioneers First podcast. We hope that with everything that's been happening, um, that you're staying safe and healthy, both physically and mentally. And, you know, with that, if you wouldn't mind, could you share with our listeners, with me and Jane, a little bit about your mental health journey and some of the things that you went through? I'm currently recovering from depression and I have high anxiety. Um... And it's hard to pinpoint when it started um, because it's the kind of thing that grows over time. But I really started noticing it um, my sophomore year. Though in sophomore year, I didn't even notice that that's what I was going through. And then senior year is when it really took hold. Um, and so basically what happened was um, growing up, I had a lot of anxiety. Um, I was scared to make mistakes, to do things wrong. Um, and it felt like, you know, if I made enough mistakes, I would reach a point where I would just fail at life. I'm not really sure what that means to me, but I was terrified of it. It was just emptiness, you know. And then the next thing I knew, you know, I was just so stressed. I wasn't, um, I was starting to lose like my emotions. Um, I was starting to like isolate myself from my friends, from my family. And I was just putting everything off. I was just following a sort of routine every day where I'd wake up, I stopped eating. So I wouldn't even eat breakfast. And then I go to school 
and the school was just a blur, you know, it didn't really exist. And then I go home and I just hide in my room or hide in the bathroom and just wait for time to pass until it was late enough for me to fall asleep. And then when I slept, I wasn't really sleeping. So I'd always wake up exhausted. Um, and it's just the sort of heavy emptiness that kind of followed me all the time. And, it, you know, things that I normally loved, you know, I felt nothing towards them. Um, being the person I thought I was took so much energy all of a sudden. It's heartbreaking to not feel the joy and love you used to feel for things you were passionate about before. What was something that made you think something's not right? This isn't how things used to be and I need to do something about it. I didn't even really notice it until I want to say December of 2019 when the musical started and like the spring musical was my favorite thing to do every year. And so I thought, you know, this would finally re-spark those emotions again. And then what I found was I felt nothing, you know. At callbacks, I was, um, I did really well and I um, got the role of the stepmother, but I felt nothing, you know, and I think that really scared me because um, if I don't feel anything towards some, the thing I love the most about high school, you know, what does that say about my emotions in general? Um, and the whole time, you know, I didn't realize that I wasn't in control um, I thought that I was doing this on purpose for attention or something. And so I was like, you know, what kind of sick, twisted person would fake this kind of thing just for attention, just to, you know, make themselves feel better or something? And why can't I stop? That was the big thing that surrounded my head all the time. Why can't I just turn this off? You know, when, when am I just going to say, you know, okay, fun's over. Um, and, you know, so that uh, built on like self-hatred for myself. Um, and so I really started having a ton of suicidal thoughts. Um, I hated myself. Uh, I, all my emotions were shriveling up. The world was like kind of losing its color. And then the next thing I knew, um, I was wondering, what's the point of all this? You know, is life going to look like this way forever? You know, I've I just, I wanted to sleep. I was tired. And so what happened was um, after the musical ended, I started getting therapy and, you know, just started sort of working through, you know, all of this crap inside my head. Um, and so after that, I started getting better. It's been like six months now. Um, and, you know, I'm like, I'm definitely in a much better place, you know, um it's like it's a process and it takes a very very long time and you know there's still times where I have like relapses you know um and you know sometimes where I think am I ever really going to be able to get out of this you know and I think the hardest part of it all is that you know once you start getting therapy um even though like my depression stabilized it's you know it's not like okay I'm happy again woohoo no um there's like pieces of me missing that I don't know how to get back. And so it feels like right now I'm just like sort of playing pretend at who I think I used to be. And I don't really know who I am anymore, you know, what emotions I'm actually feeling, if any of this is actually real. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to stay like hopeful and um, 
the biggest thing is that I don't stop trying, you know, because the instant you stop trying, that's when you lose. That's when it's going to come back and it's going to take over again. And that time, I don't know if I'll ever, if I'll be able to do anything if that happens. So, Aaliyah, um, you were saying that, you know, after the spring musical that you knew that something was off, that something was happening with your mental health and that you finally felt compelled to reach out and, and do something about it. And you were saying how the way that you did this was by getting therapy, reaching out to our counseling resources. But I'm just curious to know, you know, what was, what was that like for you, reaching out in the first place? When I first started getting therapy, um, it felt like I was being saved, you know? The, the biggest thing I was thinking was I was scared that I was making it all up and that, you know, the therapist was gonna tell me, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Just stop whatever you're feeling. None of this is real, you know? Um, but as I continued to work with her, um, I started realizing, you know, I started thinking more about what was going on inside my head. Truth is, when I first started getting therapy, I was still on that downward slope. Um, and I didn't start getting better, like start noticing that I was going up until I want to say two months into it. I had, it was, it was crazy. I had this whole revelation. If you don't mind sharing with us, what was that revelation? Was there a particular incident that triggered it? I remember I was sitting at the dinner table um, by myself, you know, just sort of, uh, you know, not feeling anything, looking out the window. And in the other room, my parents' room, I heard uh, this song playing and I heard my dad and my sister laughing and joking around. And it triggered something in my memory that I had like forgotten about. And it was like of when I was little and like dancing with my dad and my siblings and, you know, just being innocent and having a lot of fun. And then all of a sudden I start having all these memories just come rushing through of me being young and happy. And, you know, the thing about um, depression is that it sort of isolates your present self from your past and your future, you know, you exist only in the present. And so by um, suddenly remembering that I had a past and uh, that that little girl in the past was me, um, what it did was it made me, it made me, it forced me to see myself as human, which was something that I hadn't been doing. Um, and, you know, I realized, you know, I've been so mean to this little girl, like, how could I do that, you know? And so I decided, you know, I'm going to start fighting for her, you know, it's not for me, but it's for her, because I don't want to have her feel like that anymore. Aaliyah, thank you so much for sharing your mental health journey with us. For me, it was very powerful, and I'm sure that for some of our listeners out there, it was also very powerful, maybe even relatable for them, as it was for me too. You know, I, th I think for a lot of people that struggle with mental health, in, in my experience, you know, the first act of reaching out and, you know, even noticing that we do need help is actually the hardest part of our journey. And, you know, the, the stigmatization of reaching out is something that we can't, you know, ignore. Like, there are moments where you underplay what you're feeling or that you're told to underplay what you're feeling. And there's this 
common stigma that's associated with reaching out because you're unveiling a very vulnerable side to you and your personality. But I was just wondering, you know, when you were reaching out and started seeking help, did this stigmatization affect you in any way? Yeah, um, no, it was really hard. Um, I'd say the one good thing I had going for me was that I was an aide in the counseling office. And so when I started pulling away from everybody, the counseling office was where I went and I sort of would hide there. And so I had like those people there um, and they, I, I know they knew that something was off, you know, my dad, he's a high school counselor. And so um, he definitely saw that, you know, I was showing the signs of depression and that I needed help. And he told me, Leah, um, you need to go to the, to your counselor and you need to say, I need help. And I was scared to do it. I was nervous the entire day. Um, I was thinking about maybe just not doing it and like making something up, but you know, obviously I couldn't do that. Um, and so I remember it, I was like, I was like shaking even. I, um, and I went to uh, Ms. Gibson's office and I said, I, like, hey, can, do you have a minute? Um, and she let me in and I just sat down. I don't know what to say. So I just said, I think I need help. And then she understood like immediately um, so I guess I really was that obvious, no matter how hard I was trying to hide it. Um, and so after that, you know, I got connected. Um, like she told me, you need to find, you need to get a therapist. Um, and so I told my parents that, and then they got me one. And then after that, it was easier. You know, it got easier as I went along to start opening up, to be less ashamed of the way I felt. Um, because I knew that by opening up, I was helping myself. Yeah, I love the point that you made about um, how you didn't choose to have a mental illness and you didn't choose to struggle. And a lot of the time, it's not anyone's fault, really. It's just how sometimes life is life and it just throws a bullet here and you just have to dodge it the best that you can. And I really think that's an important message that we can communicate to our listeners and our students, teachers, counselors, whoever. It's not your fault. You're not responsible for this, but you can choose to recover from it and you can choose to get better. And I think this is something everyone should know because in the end, all of our feelings are valid and all of our struggles are valid. They're simply too real and too true to be neglected. And like you said, if we just leave them, they just go down this dark road spiraling, spiraling until we hit rock bottom. And it just becomes so much harder to recover from there. So to anyone that's listening and might be going through some stuff, speaking out, talking to a friend, or even journaling, that can be your first step. And you too can get better. At the end of the day, we want you to be alive. We want you to be healthy. And we want you to be happy. I completely agree jane i mean if you guys are listening you can even reach out to me or jane like send us an email an instagram dm and we'll be very happy to support you and listen to anything that you may be going through um i know that especially with like covid and it's social isolation and everything that has been happening this year in our world i'm speaking on personal experience but it is so easy to feel alienated and isolated and powerless really and 
you know, I know that when I was at the peak of my depression a couple years ago, I also felt so alienated. Like I was the only one at my school in the world dealing with this. I genuinely felt that. But what Aaliyah, what Jane and I want you to know is that there are so many other people out there experiencing the same thing as you and that there are resources and that you aren't alone in your journey. I mean, it's essentially like an underlying epidemic, really. Like there's the COVID-19 pandemic and then there's a mental health epidemic that is so underlying that it isn't as widely addressed in the media, on social media. We don't care about it as much. And I feel like this is something that we really need to focus more on. And, you know, we also need to work on fostering that sense of comfort and reaching out to people when we need help and deconstructing that stigma that Leah was talking about earlier that is usually associated with, you know, therapy, even just talking about your feelings really with even the people that you love. But, you know, we just want you to know that it's not wrong to reach out for help. It's very important and if anything, it's fundamental to recovering from any emotional distressing situation that you may be going through. Because I'm speaking on personal experience again, but seriously, th things will get better if you start taking that first step to reach out and finding that outlet to talk about your feelings and the things that are affecting you. Um, thanks again, Aaliyah, for joining us. Thanks. I'm really glad that you guys invited me to do this. Um, and I really hope that, you know, I could have, that I could uh, help someone, you know, by them listening to my words. So that makes me really happy. <laughs> so our school um, at Portola, we have around 1,500 students, give or take, and a great counseling department to help us with whatever we need, whenever we need it. But we also have quite a few student support groups as well, one of which being Hope Squad. Yeah, so Hope Squad is actually a district-wide program that started about halfway through last year. We're here now with Stella Park, who is a Portola senior and a member of Hope Squad, who's going to talk a little bit more about what the organization is. Um, so Stella, what is Hope Squad? Yeah, so Hope Squad is a peer support program to prevent suicide. And basically what we do is whenever students come in and they talk about the things that they're going through, things that especially related to suicide, we try to connect them emotionally as well as persuade them to seek for professional help. So it's basically like a program where a group of students who got nominated from their peers are in the Hope Squad and they get trained about like persuasion methods and those skills. And when the students come in, they're like, Hope School members are not like counselors, but their main goal is to provide like peer support and to really create that safe and supportive environment for them to talk about what they're going through. So Stella, what was the training process like for joining Hope Squad? I know nominations are actually happening right now, and I bet a lot of students are wondering what that looks like. So first of all, since all of us are not expert in it, we start by learning about like myth versus fact about suicide and just like educating ourselves about, you know, suicide prevention and facts about suicide. And we also learn about persuasion skill, how to um, actively listen to the uh, one speaking 
as well as how to persuade one to seek for professional help. After learning about suicide and more things in Hope Squad, I learned that if you're just keeping that secret to yourself, then it's not going to help anyone, you know? So if they came up to you and talk about suicide, you can't just, you know, just listen to them and like let them, like you can, because the thing is you can provide emotional support, but it shouldn't just end there. You need to persuade them to seek professional help because it can be really, really challenging to go through it without like getting help from professional, like professional counselors and getting therapies and things like that. I just, I, I wanted to point out, I, I think it's really important and, you know, significant how Hope Squad is actually constituted of students. You know, I feel like knowing that there's other kids out there that are willing to listen is really important because, you know, for me personally, it was really difficult to reach out to adults about mental health myself and, and you know, my depression and anxiety and things that I went through and I, you know there was a, there were a lot of times where I thought I could deal with my mental health on my own alone really and I'm just wondering in your opinion do you think that students can handle mental health and issues with mental health alone or is it something that they you know should reach out to people about for help I personally think that reaching out is a better method because I also struggled with mental health issues and it was really hard for me to reach out to people. But I started with talking to my friends and when I get that emotional support, I also opened up to you know my family members about what I was going through. And it, if you don't reach out for help and you just keep it to yourself, then it it's likely that it's gonna get worse and that that's it's going to be really overwhelming for you if you're the only one who's going to who's trying to overcome this. Yeah, I think what goes on in a lot of people's heads when they're going through mental health issues or anything related is that most of the times we think to ourselves, no, it's just a phase. I'm okay. I'll get over it. But in reality, that's really not the case. So like Ryan said, it's really great that Hope Squad is there to support any students who want or need it. Um, you mentioned that the main mission for Hope Squad is suicide prevention. And a lot of the times, there's a certain stigma that comes with mental health. How and in what ways is Hope Squad hoping to kind of resolve those stigmas and help show mental health and suicide prevention in its true light? Yes, I definitely agree. Like, stigmas can be really, you know, it can really pull back from people trying to open up. And I think because Hope Squad is a peer support program, really creating that supportive environment that what they're going through is valid and that everyone's here to support them and listen to them and to understand them and support through their journey of overcoming what they're going through is going to hopefully, you know, minimize the stigma and influence more people to more openly talk about what they're going through so we can all help each other out. You know, I think it's absolutely essential, really, in helping other people, helping the people that you love that may be going through mental health and really even taking that first step to assessing how you are feeling and what your mental health state is. You know, one thing that has been effective for me personally is, you know, when I was struggling with mental health and even recently I've started journaling and writing my thoughts as 
cliche as it sounds, it, it really helped me just put everything that I was feeling onto paper. And as you were saying, Stella, like tracking your progress, it really helped me track my progress emotionally, mentally. And, you know, I was just wondering, Stella, if you had any other recommendations or suggestions that students can do on their own to stay optimistic and keep up their mental health. So I think journaling is a really good way because especially during quarantine when you can't really meet your friends in person and talk to them in person, it's really crucial to have a way to, you know, talk about what you're going through, even if it's to yourself. Um, that's one of the things I did, but I didn't really like writing. So I just recorded myself saying like, oh, I did this today. And, and sometimes like it would be in the morning and I'll be like, Oh, like, I feel like, like, sometimes, you know, we all have ups and downs and sometimes it wouldn't be like the happiest video, but I would try to keep a record of myself saying it's kind of like journaling, but just in video so that um, I can really make sure um, I know what I'm going through and I know what I'm feeling. Personally, when I was going through that, it was not during coronavirus time. So I had a friend support me. That's why I really love peer support program and things like that. So if it's possible, having someone listen to you, so whether it be like journaling, recording yourself, talking to yourself, or having your friend listen to you, I think having that connection and um, being able to talk about it in some way is really important. Absolutely. We have one last question for you, Stella, and that is, what is your message to all the students who are listening to this who may or may not be struggling? My message is that what you're going through, whatever other people tell you, it's valid. And if you need help, it's really, really important that you seek for help. Having emotional support and connection with people when you are going through mental health issue, it can really help you a lot to grow as a person, not only just overcome the, the problems that you have and the challenges you have, but also to, but also to you know, grow as a person and to have wider perspective. Thank you so much, Stella, for joining us today and for sharing your thoughts about mental health and Hope Squad. Thank you so much for having me. I really hope that, you know, everyone learns more about mental health. I mean, I need to learn about it too, but you know, we get better education about mental health and raise awareness about it. My goal is just to provide support. Speaking of support, we actually have one last guest with us right now, Maureen Moyer, the mental health specialist and wellness coordinator at Portola High School. Thanks so much for joining us, Ms. Moyer. If you don't mind, will you explain to our listeners what you do here on campus? Uh, the majority of what I do is like crisis assessment um, in terms of suicide assessments, safety concerns, see what's going on with the student in terms of their uh, mental health and their struggles, and then work with either the student or working with the family on getting connected to outside services. Every student I meet with is very different because mental, mental health isn't so black and white. Uh, but I'm, so I mainly do what is called like case management. So that's linking families to services, uh, whether it's uh, basic needs, let's say uh, food, financial needs like that, or if it's uh, medical, mental health, then I try to work with the family on getting connected.
I do um, a lot of support for our LGBTQ students, um, specifically like our trans non-binary students. They are our highest risk population in terms of suicide risk numbers. So I try to do anything that I can in terms of just support a trusted place that they can come to school. Not only LGBTQ students, but other students in general, you know, might not have the most supportive home environment. So if, the, if there's anything that we can do here at school for students to feel more comfortable, uh, whether it's just meeting with me or kind of getting them linked up with another trusted adult on campus, I try to kind of facilitate that. Okay, let's backtrack here a little and address this. In your definition, what is mental health? So, I mean, mental health is, it's, you know, it's our thoughts, it's our feelings, and it's our behavior. Mental health is hard. It's hard to describe because, like I said earlier, it's not, yes, there's like certain diagnosis, like major depressive disorder, and I could list off all of the symptoms for it, but those symptoms look very different. Like a depressed student, they could be sleeping all the time. Or I could have a depressed student that is barely sleeping, but they still have those, you know, sad, like not a lot of motivation, um, not a lot of hope for the future. Like it just looks very different. And then there's other um, like diagnoses like anxiety, which is like a huge thing right now. Everyone is, is feeling some sort of anxious thoughts and feelings. Um, there's obviously a huge spectrum, but even like I've been talking with a lot of staff here at the school and everyone is feeling something, you know, we all in the last six months, if you really stop and think about what we've experienced in the six month period of time, it, it's a lot, it's a lot to take in. And when people say, oh, I'm, I'm anxious or I have anxiety, it doesn't necessarily always mean that, oh, you have like this formal diagnosis. It could just mean that you have those unwanted, a lot of times like irrational, anxious thoughts that kind of get in the way of our functioning. I mean, mental health is kind of hard to define, but it really is trying to figure out how to cope. What can you do to either decrease those thoughts or work on completely getting rid of those thoughts? So when a student reaches out to you about any emotional or mental challenges or something that's emotionally distressing in their life, what is usually the next step? Like, what do you do? Um, what usually happens from there? When, when somebody comes into my office for the first time, like the first thing that I do is explain confidentiality. Just because a student comes into my office, it doesn't mean like, because of my confidentiality, I cannot go and tell people what you are talking about, what our conversations are, unless there is very specific criteria like safety concerns, harm to other, harm to self, someone's harming you, then, then I have to legally like break confidentiality to make sure that people are safe. I've heard like a lot of people don't want to come in because they think it's going to be like an automatic call to your parents. And that is like, rarely the case, I want to say. Um, I usually am like working with the student, hey, like, tell me about like, if I did call your parent and say, hey, I'm the mental health specialist, like, how do you think your family would respond? And, and we kind of like work through that to find out what is best for the student. But there is usually a moment where you're like, I 
I need help. I need something. And sometimes you reach out and it doesn't respond well. And that person doesn't give you what you need, or um, that person dismisses your feelings. Like maybe you mention it to your, to a parent, like, oh my God, I'm feeling so anxious about school or work. And this is what's, this is how it's impacting me. And the parent says, it's not that bad. Like I get that a lot. (laughs) Um, And if you, you, it's like, you've thrown out the, thrown out this information and then it hasn't gone well. And so I really try to tell students, like, you have to keep, you have to keep reaching out until you find what you need and what you need might be totally different. And like I said, obviously every situation is very different, but I think it's important that people don't dismiss mental health feelings or mental health thoughts related. Um, Because if somebody is reaching out and saying something, they are looking for somebody to reach back to them. Absolutely. And with this feeling of helplessness, really, I think in our current society, we have to address the topic of suicide. A lot of students I know struggle with this. Um, Will you tell us why is suicide not the answer? Um, Suicide is not the answer because the pain will go away. The pain will go away we do get into a very bad, deep, dark place where we feel like that is the only solution. Like that's the the only thing that kind of takes over our mind is if I'm not alive, I don't have to feel this way and I don't have to deal with these intense feelings, but they will go away. They will get better. You just have to give it some time. And there's always, there's, like I said, there's so much different kinds of support out there, whether it's me here at school or whether it's like an anonymous online chat, it will lessen. It will get better. You have to hold on. Absolutely. Um, you know, Jane and I, we, along with the rest of the world and everybody at our campus, you know, we're always changing. We're always learning and growing with time and experience and like having been through a very low point in life I just wanted to point out that even though it may seem like it's getting worse there's always a light at the end of the tunnel in reality I mean it may seem impossible to really pivot from a very distressing or even unfeeling moment in life and You know, speaking from experience, I used to think this too. I mean, I never expected to get better in reality. Like, it just felt like a perennial tunnel. But at every tunnel, there's always a light at the end. And with that being said, what's your message or mantra that you want to communicate to students? Um, Find out what what brings you hope right now like in a world when there is so just everything is chaotic everything even if we didn't have COVID just chaos I mean there's so much chaos happening and it's so easy for us to focus and really think about just all the things that we don't have control over and and then our mind goes especially if you had if you're already a little bit of an anxious person I mean your anxious thoughts just go and it's so hard to get them to stop so To bring it back, we have 
to focus on what gives us hope. What, like, what's something small in my life right now that brings me some joy? Like I just told the counseling team this morning, I'm like, I get so excited when I, when I get to have a one-on-one set, like one-on-one Zoom with a student I haven't seen in six months. Like I come on, I'm like, oh, what's that? Like, so, and they are like, whoa, like, and it's just cause I'm like, I'm so excited to see people. And because all of us have just been in our little bubbles, however big it is. And so I just have to focus on that moment with, with that student or with my family or whatever it is. Like what is, where am I finding a little joy right now? Where am I finding hope? And really making myself think about it. And really like actively think about what's making me hopeful right now. And what can I control? which is a side thing. Like, I can't control, like, a lot of students that are gonna need help tomorrow. Like, I know, I know every, like I said in the beginning, like, everyone is suffering in some way or another. But all I can do is just be there and support as much as I can. And that's what I have control over. But just trying to grab on to hope. Thank you everyone for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Portola Pioneer podcast hosted by Jane Kim and myself, Brian Dunman. As Suicide Prevention Month comes to an end, the Portola pilot wants to emphasize the importance of reaching out about mental health and finding that outlet of hope. At our campus, our counselors and organizations like PHS Hope Squad are available for students to talk about any challenges that may be affecting you or someone else you know. Again, thanks for joining us on this episode of The Pioneer, and we hope to see you next time on our October episode. Thank you and have a nice day.